Psalm 32. <clears throat> and I don't know the tune. It was probably, imagine Jimi Hendrix or something like that. Um, this psalm uh, is great because it begins with happiness and ends in joy. Which is what we're all after. The psalmist writes, Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and is whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silent, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayers to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters will not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle, lest it will stray from you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright of heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You got to love songwriters. I mean, they... They, they, they have poetic license. They don't have to follow linear logic. They should just write things that, that, that sound good to them or that rhyme. Um, but this, this psalm is, is unique. It's not unique, but it, it's, most psalms are either psalms of lament, which I talked about last week, or they're psalms of thanksgiving, thank you God that things are so great. Uh, but this psalm sort of falls in the middle. Um, I wanted to use it on this third Sunday in our Lenten journey from dust to downpour as I talk about rivers. Uh, we started in the lifeless, dusty ashes of the moon where there is no water and it's just dusty and cold and dark, right? And then last week uh, we marveled at the power of, of water um, bursting forth from geysers or tear ducts as we lament and and how powerful it is to be one who weeps, even as Jesus wept. Well, this week I want to bring you to the, uh, the flowing waters of a cascading river where water behaves like the power and the grace of God, and it can transform us. It can overcome obstacles and sin, not only in our lives, but this is really the gospel of Jesus. It can overcome the sin in this world. The things that make you cry at your baptism. That's how powerful God's grace is. And so uh, we're going to, I'm going to, if you will, let me use this metaphor of water, in particular rivers today, to consider the power of rivers and water. And before we show the video, where are my rocks? Where are my rocks? Oh, here's one. Let's go ahead and roll that video.
Hello, here we are again, your senior high youth, speaking from our early March retreat at Rocky Bluff. Here we are at Passage Creek in Fort Valley, looking at the power of water. This is a place where water falls over the surface and the results are magnificent. Just listen a minute. The tree that is planted by these waters will send out its roots and will not fear drought. Micro communities grow in its pools and eddies. <laughs> this liquid water will carry these sticks from here all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. The power of water can erode rocks and carve valleys and canyons. Seemingly giant obstacles can be worn down and transformed. Sharp rocks have their edges softened. Like God's grace, water will engulf and embrace an obstacle, and over time, wear it down and move it further on its journey of transformation. God's grace can give us the hope and the encouragement to face our obstacles. Obstacles like racial injustice, poverty, climate change. We all live downstream. All right, let's give the youth a hand. They were really good. I, I, I get a lot of help. And now you got to know, we, we went on a retreat a while ago, and I was telling them about, about the love of God in their lives and how it takes you on a journey. Now, there's a lot of angst in young people because they're all worried about you know, how they're going to get to be grown-ups, right? And, uh, and, and they, don't, they don't know where it's all going. But we were talking about going on this journey and, and how you, it's all about kind of trusting that God knows where you're going you just got to kind of allow yourself to go on the ride. Um, this psalm that I just read to you starts with happy. Teenagers want to be happy. They want to be joyful. They don't want to be all angsty and downquadden, you know, like adults, right? We're always worried about stuff, right? So they, they see that and go, well, how can I live a life where I'm not weighed down by all the troubles of the world and always thinking about gloomy, depressing, hard, concerning things? And so they have lots of ways to cope. The psalmist begins, happy are those. Happy are those who trust in the Lord. Happy are those whose transgressions are forgiven. That's how he starts it. And so this psalm is not a psalm of lament, and it's not a psalm of thanksgiving. It's a, it's a penitential psalm, penitential, penitent, to confess, to acknowledge that I am not where God would have me be, and I'm not where I want to be, and I'm not happy, and I'm worried about this and that and the other thing. And how do I get to this place of happiness and joy and fulfillment and a life worthy of the love of God that I believe surrounds me. And the psalmist describes how the power of God's love enfolds you. This, the, the power of love can wrap around you. It can transform your, your brokenness, your jagged, sharp, heavy, you know, hurtful things into something that's kind of nice to look at and hold. And, and the psalmist promised God can do this. The love of God can surround you, 
he or she says. And this transformation begins when you allow yourself to confess to God that I can't make myself happy. And that's really the lie of our culture. Our, 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 our culture, we are, we are a wealthy and privileged people. And we are striving for happiness. Well, the psalmist says, you want to be happy? Learn to confess. The first step in being happy is not making more money or getting smarter or having more answers. It's confessing your brokenness. I confessed and acknowledged my sin to the Lord. Now, I don't think this is a secret. The Roman Catholic Church has been uh, making confession an integral part of being a Christian in the tradition of worship since, since the very beginning of that tradition. Uh, in that tradition, you know, you, you're not supposed to, to come and have communion unless you've been to confession, right? You're supposed to go to confession not just when you want something, but every day. You make it a part of your life, acknowledging that you're not where you want to be, that there are broken and sharp and, and jagged edges on you, and that you believe that what makes those jagged edges beautiful is not you. It's the love of God that can wash over you. Confess that you can't do it on your own. That try though you might, you will not avoid hurting somebody else. And I don't know about you, but some of the things I regret the most in my life are the people I have hurt. Some I didn't mean to. Some I did. You can't avoid transgression and causing others distress. You are a sinner whose capacity to cause harm to others is great. Um, your tendency to stray from what God would have you do is natural. We kind of chafe at the bit. The psalmist says, don't be like a horse or a mule that, uh, that you need to be bridled and put a bit in your mouth to make you righteous and to make you happy. Too much of religion is, is portrayed as, oh my gosh, if I want to be a faithful person, I've got to put a bit in my mouth and be drug into happiness, into righteousness. Not so, says the psalmist. The psalmist says, religion, a relationship with God is allowing the love of God to overflow you and surround you and make you and mold you into a godly person with joy and purpose and meaning and yes, dare we say, happiness. But it starts with confession. I can't make myself happy. There's something wrong with me. Now, and I'm not just talking about things you do that are not good. It's just being who you are. Uh, a lot of people talk about privilege nowadays. And I'm not privileged. Don't call me privileged. Because that privilege, to confess our privilege, is like I did something wrong. No. You just breathed in the air of privileged. And sometimes that feel, makes others feel hurt or wounded. Confess it. Don't chafe against it like a bit in your mouth. You say, yep, guilty. God, have mercy. 
and move on. But do it every day. Don't, don't try to wiggle your way out of it. <laughs> you know how kids, when they break, I, I had brothers, we broke stuff all the time. Whenever you drop something, you know, you go, oh, don't, don't see that, you know. Or whenever you trip, you, we, we try to hide that. It's natural for us to say, but boom, boom, oh, I, did anybody see that? Did anybody see that? I don't know why we're that way, but we are that way. And the psalmist says, don't be that way. He said, your silence, where's my glasses? <laughs> it's your silence that makes you miserable. When you make a mistake, when you're a part of the transgressions and the sin in the world, just confess it. Make it an, an everyday part of your life. It's part of the Lord's prayer. We pray it all the time. Lord, forgive us our trespasses. The ones we know about and the ones we don't know about. Okay? All right. Now, and, and let's get back to happy because everybody wants. I want to show you happy. I want to show you one of the happiest times I, I can remember. Let me see this. It's about a big yellow raft. There it is. And now that raft make you, make you, I like the yellow. But this is a picture that somebody took of me and my family on the Yellowstone River. That's my daughter at the oars and the rest of us on the paddles. And, um, and that was a happy, happy time. Out there in the middle of the river, you know I love rivers, you know I love paddling. So I'm out there in the middle of the river with my loved ones around me and we're paddling, um, you know, pulling together. Um, but the thing I, I want to point out to you about the psalmist and about being happy in this picture about a river is these paddles we have in our hands. Those paddles are not moving us down the river. In fact, their impact is min minuscule on where we're going. What's taking us down the river is not the paddles. It's the river. I mean, the paddles maybe make you feel like, oh, we're doing something. You know? <laughs> no, religion's not that. The opiate, you know. No, the paddles are what we use to get out in the river. By faith, you may enter into a life of religion, a practice with God's people, in the hopes that you might find yourself in the powerful flow of God's grace and God's love in this world. And so the paddles are important because they are our, our desire to be with God, our desire to be with each other, our desire to be happy, to be fulfilled, to be joyful. Out there in the river, Going where God is going. The river taking us on a joy ride is what the psalmist finds. It's a joy ride. So when you don't feel joyful, the psalmist would say, if you're not feeling joyful, if you're not feeling happy, if you're feeling angst and concerned and worried and anxious all the time, confess. Find the thing in your life that you believe God could make better and confess it. The psalmist said that <clears throat> the way to happiness is not to stay silent, which is our natural instinct, to stay silent. Um, and I got to tell you, I wasn't silent at my baptism. And that's the great thing about babies. They hadn't quite learned yet that when something's not right, they just go, hide it. <laughs> Keep it. 
Why? We know, you know when something's not right with a baby. They let you know. They haven't learned this idea that we've got to be ashamed of something. Just so a spiritual walk with God um, back into that, that, that infantile love that we all long for begins by not, not giving in to that idea you've got to hide stuff. You've got to be quiet about stuff. You've got to open your mouth and confess it. Now, if you just want to confess it to God quietly in your car, in your closet, you can do that. Uh, if there's someone who loves you, a, a person, it's really powerful to, to tell it to a person. The, the, the Roman Catholics would always, you could tell it to a priest, right? But the point of you, you open your mouth, you don't keep it inside you, you confess it and you speak it out loud and it will release you it will bring you into that flow of the love of God that is more powerful than any other force in the world and it can transform you. A habit, a discipline of a life of confession. Um, and it doesn't transform you, you know, with the bit in the bridle. It transforms you the way water transforms a riverbed. Uh, water water hits, hits a rock and it doesn't like blast it out of the way or instantly polish it. It goes around it. It, it kind of, it doesn't blast it. It, it. it flows around it and engulfs it. It hugs it. It loves it up. And it's tenacious. But it's transformative. Um, let me see the next slide. I, I love rivers. And one of my favorite things about them is when you watch them around the rocks. And what they do to rocks. And so I have, a, I have a beautiful smooth rock. I don't know how long it took for, for one of these boulders that you're looking at to become this thing. Or one of the little things that we gave the children. But I do, do believe that the psalmist is trying to tell us that the love of God is not going to break you apart. It's going to enfold you with all of your sharp edges. And if you allow it. It can smooth you out, and nothing will stop it. Um, my baptism and your baptism was like the way the church says, "Come on into the water. Let's let that process start." Um, there may be so I, here's a good here's a good question. So there. Uh, in the life of the church, we invite people to do this all the time and have for thousands of years. It's the sacrament we call baptism, what we use this little font over here for, right? Now, there's lots of traditions about that. There may, um, let me just, I'm going to take a survey. So how many of you, like me, were baptized as a baby? Come on, see the hands. All right, how many of you have been baptized as an adult, confessing your sins? Very good. Beautiful ways to understand how God's love and grace works in your life. Confessing your sins and you are baptized. But this, this baby baptism thing, um, it's about saying grace is not only about God's power to transform you by your faith, by how good a paddler you are, but sometimes you get launched into that river and you, you were just going along for the ride, right? 